Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities, disguised our voices, gone underground, donned disguises in order to provide our candid views each week on a handful of stocks out of that week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air for free. So we disguise our voices so they'll never know. Before we get to uh, some good stock ideas this week, I've got a couple of disclosures I feel I must share with the listener uh, for their own protection. One is and this ours. show and ours, right. <laughs> this show is for entertainment purposes only, and that is not a guarantee of being entertaining, by the way. And we also but, may but have. But we promise nothing else except yeah, nothing that. Nothing that, correct. Right. Uh, we also have many conflicts of interest in the sense that Ooh. we are professionals. Uh, we own these stocks. We may not own them. We may be in contracts with people who benefit from doing the opposite of what we say. The truth is none of that, but that's what our lawyers say we have to tell you. So beware of all of that. Or, or all of it. We're all of it, yeah. And we may not know what we're talking about also, if that's not apparent already. Uh, I will be back. At the back half of the show, it was a heavy uh, pharmaceutical issue this week, and you've been hearing me talk about needs, not wants, so we want to get back to that. And I just cheated a little bit this week, Vern. I did all health care. Right, so I did not. You did not do any of those. Yeah. So there's reasons to this. listen to both of us this week, I guess. So <laughs> I'm going to talk about Merck, which I don't own but have owned, Watson, which I own right now, and AMN Healthcare, which is actually a – a, uh, I've never I heard of a that recruiter one. for healthcare. Uh, but before we hmm. do all that, I'd like to introduce the infamous Vern Value. Vern, ooh, thank you. You're you're welcome. Anytime. Ah. Uh, I just needed a quick little Beverage. refreshment there it before I get started. Um, well, I'm going to lead off this week with a uh, stock that I'm going to guess the average listener may not have ever heard of. I had not and um, was shocked to discover today that it's uh, one of the uh, most newsworthy stocks of the day. Way to build a relationship with the listener. Talk about something they know nothing about or care about. (laughs) Thank you. Way to go. Thank you. No. The name of the company is CF Industries, and the symbol is not surprisingly CF. I've never heard of that. CF. Actually, it's CF Industries Holdings. They are engaged in the manufacture and distribution of nitrogen and phosphate fertilizer products in North America. Okay, so this is one of these agrarium. This is agrarium. This is you know like mosaic. This is one of those hot ag fertilizer stocks that went crazy uh, in the past couple of years in response to uh, you know crazy, frankly, crazy field crop prices as well. But. that was a world where corn uh, futures were priced, I think, at one time above $8 a bushel. Uh, more recently, I think half that. And uh, maybe not so surprisingly, CF Industries, which traded to $173 in uh, mid-2008. Value line shows at $55. actually checked it close today at 48.52, up from the day before. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. under a tremendous amount of pressure uh, and relative to where it peaked. And uh, why? Well, crop prices are down. Um, uh, demand, I think, is down as well, really, for ag products because they respond to the, the global economy just like everything else does. You know what I'd like to say to you, Vern? 
Uh, I, really I don't like don't, that stock. I really I don't, don't want to know. Like it? I don't like it. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for that editorial sure. input, uh, Val. It's going down more. Mm-hmm. That's my call. It might, but um, I the, wait till I tell you about the valuation here. It seems pretty compelling. Like one times earnings or something. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, it, so what's in the news? I, well, the thing that I liked about it is it was it looked very cheap on any kind of a number, uh, earnings or cash flow number, that would be anywhere near the number that they put up in 2008. And these numbers are huge. So 48.50 is the stock price, remember. And um, according to Value Line, cash flow per share going to be a, above $15 in 2008. Earnings per share almost 12. So that would be a multiple of about four. Um, so I guess the market's saying doesn't believe that that can continue forever well the chart started to go negative that's right and uh, you know if it follows the other commodities it's got a long way to go mm, maybe maybe not i you know the, the 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 debate at the time when crop prices were peaking last year was whether they were a function of speculation uh, mandated increased use of ethanol in the united states um well fuel prices to run the farms and well grow the crops or simply that um, global demand had reached some form of tipping point where uh, traditionally much lower crop prices were simply going to be at, you know, uh, were being repriced to sustainably higher price levels. Isn't oil a raw material to fertilizer? Yes, oil it bucks. is. Yeah. So well, no, not driving. oil, natural gas, actually. Okay, but. so that's driving, was driving some of it. Uh, some of the price increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, so... Anyway, I, as I mentioned, you know, it looks very, very cheap. And, and so the news today is that they're going to acquire something called Terra Industries. So according to Value Line, the descriptions here for CF is that it's, uh, what, it's engaged in these businesses. Uh, I guess it says the same thing about Terra. Uh, CF is a little bit bigger, about $4 billion in revenue last year. Terra, a little under 3 And so there's an exchange ratio. It's a stock-for-stock stock deal, so you don't have to worry so much about whether – um, CF industry stock is under or overvalued in terms of what they're paying for Terra because the valuations, as it were, it turns out, based on the exchange ratio, are even. So in it's the, a nice in the combination, thing to do there. In the combination, they're both – and you can calculate this by comparing the uh, total operating income, as Value Line calculates it, for both of the companies uh, with their uh, respective contributions to the share base. And it turns out, in this case, they're about even – um, also means that you have the ability to calculate a pro forma earnings per share number, and I can combine the equity valuations based on the consideration that's going to be given Terra plus CF's current equity valuation and hypothesize a combined price. So uh, pro CF, forma, by the way, this means is all pro forma has to happen, and would have happened, stock prices right. have to be where they are today when it happens for you to realize it. But CF Industries at forty eight fifty basically today. Um, should be on a pro forma basis, more like fifty-two fifty, and so the question here is whether you know ag markets are going to shrink, whether pricing is going to come down. Well, gas prices have already come down a lot, right? You continue to hear more about uh, rising estimates in terms of what's in storage. Um, so gas prices down a lot. That's bringing pricing down, and uh, crop prices are down a lot, and that ultimately has the ability to affect demand, and. Um, 
I don't think anybody believes you're going to see these numbers sustained, but are they going to come down by half? Are they going to come down by three quarters? I don't know the answer to this. But I also have a different hypothesis to, or a different thesis to add to the conversation. And I noticed in the description of both companies, ValueLine mentions that they uh, make or they uh, do business in urea and ureum ammonium nitrate solutions, whatever that is. But uh, urea is a necessary component in um, in a new diesel fuel mixture that's going to be required by over-the-road trucks starting in 2010 hmm. unless they happen to have a Navistar engine in them. We've talked about, you know, the upcoming uh, emission standard changes in the past and uh, the technology that uh, most of the industry is going to in order to meet these more rigorous emission standards uh, will require the use of a small amount of a urea uh, in combination with the fuel as some kind of a catalyst. I don't know exactly how it works, but... Uh, it means that a bunch of truck stops along the major uh, cross-country routes are going to need to add urea storage and dispensing capability uh, so that these trucks can top off their tanks periodically when they're stopping huh. to pick up fuel. What a nice tidbit to know. This would show up in 2010-2011 kind of hmm. time frame, which arguably you know, is when you probably are realizing, uh, according to the press release today that I saw, they're targeting $100 million in combined uh, cost savings. Um, and uh, the thing that intrigues me is the potential to control a little bit more of the market and maybe be acquiring a bit of pricing power. In terms of valuation, it's um, gotta be what they're trying hold on to your socks here. CF at 48.50 works out to about a $2.7 billion equity market cap. Um, they're offering $2.1 billion in value for Terra. So I put that together, and I've got $4.8 billion of combined equity market cap. Um, there's only a $300 million of debt at Terra. There's no debt at CF. But there's a combined almost $2 billion of cash between the two businesses. So the net enterprise value, so total of equity and debt less cash on hand, is only $3.3 billion. Um, this past year, between the two of them together, they earned over $2 billion in EBITDA. So, yes, there's your one times multiple. Right. Actually, it's about one and a half times, yeah. okay? Which is another way of saying that the earnings number that we're looking at could go down by three quarters. And it's still and fairly it's still, it's still six times. Right. And in uh, something that has some very intriguing potential in terms of upside, maybe to expectations, as you're giving me a little credit for pointing out. I thank you for that. Sure. And with that, I don't have much time left. So these are going well, to be more like drive-bys. Well, that was an interesting. It's very, all brand very new. fascinating idea. Um, I, my next idea is really basically Maybe, a. You uh, know what? Yeah. Maybe I do like that one, Vern. I do have. Two, I have two stocks here where I'm actually not recommending them at today's prices. Why are we talking? We're going about to establish them? price targets. I think both what? are going down in the short term. That, my friend. I think both of them will trade under. Could trade two or below twenty-five dollars, and that's where I'm a buyer of both in a big way. These are not. You're not buyer a buyer now. I, I'm almost out of time. Well, the first one you is don't need BH, any time to not. Buy well, these them. are pretty simple stories. The first one is BHP Billiton, trades on the New York. It's an ADR. Trades as BHP. Is the old Broken Hill Proprietary and Billiton combination. It's the world's largest mining company. Stock was almost $100 earlier this year, closed today under 40 Probably goes lower. Commodity prices, as you pointed out, look they're like they still lower. have some more downside, right? And that's why I think this will go down. But they're, they're earning the dividend right now like four times over, okay? So earnings could come down a lot. 
the yield right now is about 4%. So I feel like the yield's pretty secure, at least for a while. And um, they have tremendous scale in the industry, and that equals pricing power, as the steel companies have been pointing out really well in this cycle. And um, this is my hedge against inflation. There is so much fiscal stimulus being, uh, you know, uh, directed at the uh, Western economies. Um, you're going to see some in China as well. Um, it, it's going to have to ultimately be funded with money. Um, there's, I, I talked to a lot of institutional investors who are very concerned about the prospects for renewed, strong inflation. Well, read my Facebook page right and, now, and my friend. And here is the That's way says, to hedge inflation. that because if, if, the, uh, if the dollar's value starts to plummet, the, these hard assets, these reserved owned by BHP and uh, aluminum and coal and iron ore and copper, et cetera, they're all going to be worth a lot more, and this stock will be a lot higher, even if we're not actually using any more of it. We're buying and, some uh, of that. Similarly, I, I've got a uh, you know, short-term, like I say, a little worried about, in particular, manpower's exposure to France, uh, where they do apparently a third of their uh, revenue. But uh, looking for early cycle names, right, is uh, – the idea here in, uh, in 2009, you're going to want to have some of your portfolio in stocks that could benefit from an earlier-than-expected recovery or at least be on the leading edge of economic recovery. Manpower that only does 10% of its business in the U.S. is really a global play that way. Uh, trading for about 10 times depressed earnings and cash flow numbers. Uh, the, I'm talking about 09 estimates. These may be too high, but these multiples very accommodative here. The stock's actually just a little over $30, so not a lot further to get under oh, but 25 my friend, when world GDP comes down, do you need more workers? No, you're going to need fewer of these, and that's why there's going to be. But the market will look through that when it gains some confidence that it can see just how much further the bottom is. Well, then you can the discount it in. There's already a lot in it because when Value Line printed this report and priced it, it was almost a $36 stock, 30 and change uh, as of today. At this level, about four and a half times an enterprise value to EBITDA multiple. Um, you know, there's a lot of bad news here already. Value Line makes a comment that the company is predicting a fourth quarter revenue decline of 21 to 23 percent in its European segment. So, a lot of bad news already in it. You want to maybe take a look at MAN, M A N. I've got that's early cycle global recovery, BHP, the miner, what? that's an inflation hedge. But my favorite idea that, well, what? I. What? Well, no, I won't do that. We'll what are come you back. Doing, man? I'm going to turn it over now to the much more slow talking well, and older. And there's I probably a correlation. Summarize things, things a little bit for the uh, listener. Uh, but anyway, Val yeah, Hughes. Cheers. Thank you. you okay. Go. I hope you have some uh, really exciting drug stories to tell no, us. No, I don't. I don't have any. I mean, stories about they're, drug stocks. They're dull. Whatever. They're dull. That's what makes them interesting. You know, needs not wants. You don't want to get involved with stuff that people may not need because we're going into a period where people are only buying stuff Well, they we're need. going to need coal and we're going to need right, copper. Right, but I'm not doing those. We're going to need fertilizer because we're going to need right. food. Well, listen, those those ideas that uh, BH Billiton, that may be a good price to get in on. We're, we're buying in the shop. We're buying. We're looking at some coal. Uh, which I think we talked about on the show. We're looking at some oil down here. Things seem to, the pendulum seems to have gone a little far that way. But I'm not doing that this week, ladies and gentlemen. This no, is values. I did, I did that. And uh, as I do every week, I'm going to give you three terrific value ideas this week. You know, I had a listener write in and ask me if we're, by the way, if, if we've Since when do you boast best, about your ideas? I'm not boasting about them. 
I'm just advertising that I have some in case people, after hearing you, are thinking about turning off the show. I want to let them know that there are some positive thoughts coming up in the drug sector. This would right be now. the entertainment part of the show, no, I guess? No, it's the sheer truth part. <laughs> Your truth part. So I'm just reiterating. Now, 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 maybe do you really think running in. down the product is a good Listen, idea? Maybe someone just came in the room and they want to know, hey, who's this new guy? What's he going to talk about now? You know, I don't know. I'm just trying to be polite. You know, there's not an index, <clears throat> although there actually is. If you go and pull our XML code into Excel or into Internet Explorer on our website, you can see all our shows. They're all indexed by ticker going back three years now. So... Go check it out. Maybe there's better ideas in the That's past. That's for those of you who have a lot of time. Yeah, you have too much time. Anyway, uh, three ideas this week. I took them all out of the pharmaceutical sector, or I did do a recruiting firm, but it's recruiting healthcare people. First up, Merck, ticker MRK. And uh, what does Merck do? Well, they're among the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world. Uh, they make products like Singular. Zocor, Fosamax, Vasitec, Prinavil, Prilosec. You know, you probably know someone that takes one of these things. They did Vioxx a couple years ago. These guys in Pfizer were the big firms that came under a lot of pressure. All the big pharma guys came under pressure because they had big R&D departments that stopped inventing things. And uh, then the things they had invented started coming off patent. And when they come off patent, the generic guys get to make them. And they don't have to pay royalties, and they just make them at cost plus, and the profits plummet. So if you look at Merck's chart, stock was at 96 back in 2000. It's at 28 today. Uh, and it took a long time to sort of roll through the, you know, the understanding that, hey, these products don't last forever. By the time they go to market, you just get about seven or eight years to sell them at full price. Aren't they also the Vioxx company? Yeah, but that's in the past now. They had to recall Vioxx, et cetera. So, you know, traditionally, these big pharma guys were a big R&D department. They invented stuff that saved people, and there you have the miracle of modern medicine, right? Well, guess what? They stopped inventing stuff. Everything that they did in the past is going generic, which is cheaper. That's why ultimately we're not going to have a drug price problem down the road because everything will be generic if they stop inventing things. And everything will revolve around a great sales force. So I'm going to suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that Merck right now, uh, which sells at you know, 10 times earnings, it's got a 27% return on capital, 30% return on equity. So even while they're under siege a little bit, uh, in the terms of their patent portfolio, they're still putting up great numbers, 33% operating margin. That's been stable. Um, they are in the news today or yesterday talking about moving into biotech, which, you know, they're going to take their sales force and they're going to attach other products onto it and sort of outsource the R&D. And as prices come down, because patents are expiring, you know, their, their productivity of their PhDs is reducing. They're, gonna, they're moving those people out. In fact, Pfizer, I think, yesterday made an announcement about cutting 10% of their scientists, and everyone was appalled. But these scientists aren't inventing anything anymore. Um, so what you have is a big distribution network going to doctors. Pharmaceuticals still are the highest productivity in terms of dollars, spent to save time in the hospital or time with the doctor. The eight bucks you spend on a pill may seem like a lot, but if it keeps you out of the hospital at $1,000 a day, that's a good deal. And uh, they are the whipping boy, and I do have some concerns about demographics and people voting for free drugs and all that, but I think increasingly there is a recognition 
that, you know, you need these big companies uh, supplying leading-edge pharmaceuticals. And so, uh, you know, I think that is a risk we're going to have to take. They are putting up great returns, good cash flow. The stock at this point is seven times gross cash flow and about eight times free, which is, I'll say, is a 12% return on CapEx cash. CapEx being the difference between the two. Yeah, CapEx, at least on the value line numbers. They've got a great balance sheet, 18% debt to cap. Their interest expense is about $400 million, and they're generating $8 billion in operating income, so they've got that pretty covered. And my theme here is just that the you know demand for health care is going to grow faster than GDP, and it's a more certain growth. And right now with this valuation... Uh, and also a 5% yield, which is very well covered. Merck's a good place to hide. So MRK, Merck, 1271. Now, the other side of the spectrum, Watson Pharmaceutical, ticker WPI. I forgot to do the page Page numbers. 1289. Vern, you don't do page Can numbers. Can I have the index? No. Please. All right. Here you go. Come on. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Now, you, where was I now? Uh, Watson. Does it really matter? It does. I don't think suck. anybody's listening it, anymore. A lot anyway. of people are possibly listening. My whole family's listening, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> Four Watson years later. Watson is in the uh, generic side of the business. So Merck, the traditional model, inventing things, selling them at 80% gross margins, know all the doctors, etc. Watson and these other you know generic guys like King or Teva, what have you, they wait till the stuff comes off patent. Then they don't have to reinvent it. They just copy just it. Just vultures. They just copy it. And then uh, they don't need to market it to doctors. Is that fair? Yes, Fern. Okay. It is fair. It's called free enterprise. Now, there is a lot of debate just about checking. There is a lot of debate about patent portfolios and how long patents should last and all that. In the case of the pharma guys, the problem is I think these patents run 22 years or something like that, 21 years, 27 years, I forget, in the 20s. And by That's the, a lot. By the time – well, the problem is is that you have to file that patent when you've just invented it. Then you've got all the trials and all that, so it takes a long time before you're actually marketing it. You only get about eight years to market it. You've got billions in it, and that justifies in some way these high gross margins. Uh, but – What's happening is they're not inventing new stuff. Their whole portfolio is going off patent. And guys like Watson, page 1289, are coming in, copying the drug. They get the approval from the FDA, and they go out, and they just price a little bit over cost. So in the case of Watson, you know, Merck has a 33% operating margin, Watson, 22. Merck has a 27% return on capital, Watson, 8. Why? Well, because they've got a lot of expensive equipment to make drugs, but they don't have a, a lot of expensive pricing <laughs> to cover uh, the, the return. Well, they're, it's also they're, a I bit mean, of a barrier to entry. What, what makes this company really any different than a, um, than a, a commodity chemical company? Uh, if they're just copying. Well, it's not a commodity chemical company in that you do need FDA approval for these drugs. So there is a process by which you have to be approved. Your plants have to be approved. So uh, there is a bit of a barrier in that sense, and that may explain why the return on capital is at 9%, 10%. All the people that want to get in it are in it, and they're earning a you know, fair return. Right, yeah, and it now, keeps other – Now, but why I like it, I'll tell you, is that uh, right now it's priced at five times EBITDA. So when I look at their total equity value, their price times their shares, add the debt, subtract the cash, that gives me about $3.1 billion. And their operating earnings, uh, they do a 22% margin on $2.5 billion. So what's that? About $600, $500 million. So 
3.1 billion divided by five. That's six times. Yeah, it's six times. So I'm going to look at that as a 16% return. If I bought all the stock and all the debt, I would earn 16% on that money. Um, Value Line says they're going to grow earnings at 14%. The reason I like this is that use of pharma in terms of units is growing faster than GDP because of the demographics. And generics continue to gain share. So if you can just hold pricing I'm just trying to finish on a average over steady, here. right? Um, well, I think you finished know. quite a few. No, I haven't. Thank you very now, much. Now, if, if these products at Merck and Pfizer continue to go off patent and Watson and King and Teb and the others can continue to copy them, then their growth is going to be in units faster than the big pharma guys, and perhaps somewhere in there this return on capital will get a little higher. I like it. Okay. Well, so that's on the come. Meantime, it's five, six times cash flow, uh, and you've got the other thing I'll mention about Watson. It's a good entry point. I'm just trying to finish a sentence. Well, because you're using it. Mm. Um, Mm. Now, I've lost my place, Vern. Do you want to remind me where I was? Uh, The the point I want to make, and just be prepared, Vern may interrupt, is that they do half their business in generics, which I just was talking about, but they also uh, invent their own stuff, which they manage to sell at about half their products. So they sell 150 generics, but they've got 27 branded drugs as well that get a higher margin, and that's probably in part why they get a little bit of a higher margin. Uh, you know, Vern, I'm sorry. I may have been a little, a little harsh on you there. Um, probably not. I'll ask my wife later. She'll it. know for sure. Okay, finally, 1293. That's the page number. Oh, CF is on 1235. And Tara is 1245. I I just want to mention that page number pair. Okay, well, we're getting back to the show now. Um, AMN Healthcare, ticker AHS. Um, These guys were actually in the human resources section of the value line this week, although what they humanly resource is they provide temporary and permanent health care staffing services to hospital and health care facility clients. Uh, looks like they do a fair amount of skilled nurses, they do physicians, they do therapists, I guess they, you know, pretty well across the board. Officers and directors own 5%, I like that. What I'm attracted to is there's, uh, of course, health care is growing faster than GDP, and I'm also reading a lot about doctor and nurses shortages, and so people that need to recruit doctors and nurses, even on a temporary basis in rural areas that can't recruit full-time doctors and nurses, is on the rise. In fact, there was a big article on this in the Wall Street Journal within the last couple of days, so it's interesting timing that this is in. They're having a tough period right now in terms of year-over-year comparisons, and that just means flattish, not down a lot. Uh, they've had a decrease in high-margin placement of full-time positions, and they're getting more into temporary uh, placement of short-term positions, which means they're shifting a high-margin, low-turnover business for a low-margin, high-turnover business, and that can still lead to high returns on capital. Uh, What I'm mostly attracted to here is a five multiple on EBITDA uh, total enterprise value. That's a 20% cash on cash. And I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a stable business through this period because Healthcare does not sleep, ladies and gentlemen, even in recessions, and so uh, I like the stability of it in that case. According to Value Line, they're going to have a little tough year this year, but things come back next year, predicting earnings growth over the next five years of 7 8%, which I think is just, frankly, too low. 
I don't know much about this and have never heard of it before, but I like the elements of a staffing, which is gaining share, in health care, which is gaining share. And so, uh, you know, I didn't know as much about it as I'd hoped to. A lot of insider buyers uh, recently as well. I like that and a lot of insider ownership. Favorite this week uh, has got to be Watson Pharmaceuticals. CF Industries taking out, merging with Terra. See you next week, All folks. All right. Bye, everybody.